discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. I want to welcome all of you to this meeting. Hallelujah. 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 You know, the program is termed Ambience of Love, isn't it? What's the meaning of ambience? It means an atmosphere, a mood that characterizes a place, a thing, you know? So, it's, we, are, we are talking about the ambience of love that God brings to you and I. Hallelujah. So I'm going to share some few things with you very quickly. Just pay close attention to what I'm going to tell you. Actually, God is the one who's talking to you, so listen very carefully so that you don't miss it. If you miss it, you may not get it in a very long time. Hallelujah. Now, the major thing that is a problem for humanity and keeps people away from God, running away from God, is something called sin. Is it true? Everybody feels that they are not correct, that they are bad, and that they can't relate to God. Do you see? It's a major problem. Many have completely cut themselves out from from God because of their sins, wrongdoings. Maybe did an abortion. So, you think God does not like you. Maybe you told a lie that got someone killed or someone imprisoned. Or maybe you did something very bad. You even killed someone yourself. What did you do? Maybe you are a boozite. You are into drinking. You are, your, your nose is a chimney. You are into smoking. Or you are into sugar daddies. People's husbands and all kinds of things. What else? You are a pono king kong. You are into... You can watch pono when you are tired. You can masturbate still. Wow. So you know, you know that there's something wrong with you. Like, only you, you know. You know, you could be a Christian even. That is why in most churches, Romans chapter 3 verse 23 is one of the highly and most quoted scriptures. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But you don't know where the scripture came from. You don't understand where the scripture came from. So today I want to help you understand what God in his love and his mercy. Actually God's hands are, arms are wide open for you. No matter what you did. Or no matter what you are doing now. 
God's arms are wide open. God wants to embrace you. That is how much he loves you. If you knew how much God loved you, you would not allow anything to separate you and God, including your own self. Now, listen to what I'm going to say very carefully. Okay? Then the one thing I want you to know is that Jesus did not die for Christians. Jesus, repeat after me, Jesus did not die for Christians. So who did he die for? Jesus died for sinners. Jesus died for what? Sinners. So if you read in Romans chapter 5, from verse 6, look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6. God loves sinners so much. If you feel you are a sinner, if you feel you are not correct, if you feel you are terrible, you are the one God loves. You are the one God likes. You are the one God does not joke with. Whether you are Christian or not, wherever you are, okay, you know that it's like you are not good, you are not correct, but you are the one God likes. Wow. Are you surprised? That is God's love. It's not, and you can't understand it with your normal mind. He says, for when we were yet without strength, this is, this is the Bible, Romans 5, 6, it says, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for who? He died for the ungodly. Let's read Amplified of this. While we were yet in weakness, powerless to help ourselves, if you could help yourself, you could have helped yourself a long time ago. If you could help yourself from being a lesbian, you could have helped yourself a long time ago. If you could help yourself from being a homosexual, you would have helped yourself a long time ago. If you could help yourself from not chasing that man, that married man, you would have done You don't have strength. And God is aware that you don't have strength. Some of you are not into doing any bad thing outside, but you know your thoughts. You know that your thoughts are not correct. Your mind is not good. Am I lying? You know what goes on in your mind. So if you could help yourself, you would have helped yourself a long time ago. God knows that you can't help yourself. That is why God has come to come and help you. God in his infinite wisdom and in his power and strength has decided that he will help you. And that he loves you and he wants to be with you and he wants to help you. Why would you reject him for what? He is not saying you should change before you come. He's saying that he likes you as you are. Look at this. It says, while we're yet in weakness, powerless to help ourselves, at the fitting time Christ died for in behalf of the ungodly. Look at the next verse. Verse 7. It says, now it is an extraordinary thing for one to give his life even for an upright man. It is an extraordinary thing. If someone is a good man, he says, upright man, and they, they say, oh, he's so upright, come and die for him. Will you die for him? No, everybody cares about their life, isn't it? People don't just die for people. No matter, I mean, you can be in love as much as you want. You will not die for the girl. Is it true? You can say to your mom that I will die for you. It's a lie. So the ladies, you must know from today onwards that it's just like we have been lying to you. Hallelujah. You can't, can you? I will not even try. So the Bible says that now it is an extraordinary thing for one to give his life, even for an upright man. Though perhaps for a noble and lovable and generous benefactor, someone might even dare to die. For someone who is generous, lovable, benefactor, someone might even dare to die. So if people don't die for nice people, 
How much more should Jesus die for somebody who is not correct? But that is what God did. He says, but God shows and clearly proves his own love for us. He what? Shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, while we were still not correct, while we were still smoking, while we were still fornicating, while we were still using someone's bottoms, while we were still doing all kinds of things, Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, died for us. So Jesus did not die for, there was no Christian at this time. Jesus did not die for a Christian. He died for sinners. He died for sinners. That is how much God loves people. If you see human beings walking around, that is the love that God has for them. God loves them so much that he sent his son to come and die for them. It's not Christians. Sinners. Bad people. Bad people. But all the bad people do not know that God has died for them. So they are running away from God. God is the last thing on their mind. They don't like God. Why? Because they don't know that God is actually not fighting them. You know when you are doing something bad, you think that God is going to kill you or do something to you. God is not like that. That is not the disposition of God. The disposition of God is that ah, this boy does not know how much I love him. He does not know how much I care about him. He does not know how much I want to help him become whom I've designed for him to become. That is God's position. So in John 3.16, the Bible says that for God so loved the world. The world is it the world of trees, of stars, or lakes, or, or water, or whatever? No, a world full of human beings. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only begotten son, the only one he loved, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That was why God came and gave his son, Jesus Christ. He didn't give him for good people. He gave him for bad people. For terrible people. For people who are not correct. If you feel you are not correct, you are the reason why he came. How many of you feel that you are not correct? Sometimes you feel it. Like, Charlie, there's something wrong with me. Like, I can't help myself. Is it true? You can't help yourself. It's like, ah. You want to stop, but you can't stop. You don't want to go, but you are going. You are the reason why he came. Tell anybody, you are the reason why he came. Yeah, you are the reason why he came. Since for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look at the next verse. Many of us have never read the next verse. We know John 3.16. But John 3.17 is very powerful. He says that for God, look at this all. He says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. You would think that Jesus came into the world to condemn the world and to tell everybody they are sin and they are wrong. When he says to you, I know you. I know thy works. I know where you came from yesterday. That's not why Jesus came. He says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world or to judge the world. No. The word condemn is judge. He did not send him to judge the world. But that the world through him might be saved. So he came so that the world might be saved. Because he loves people in the world. God cares about people in the world. This baby, God did not send his son into the world to, to be the judge of the world. So that the world might have salvation through him. That is why he came. 
That is why he came. So if you think you are not correct, you are the reason why Jesus came. Tell anybody you are the reason why Jesus came. So God is not angry with you. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? We've heard it so many times. God is angry with you. You are going to hell. You are... It's not in the Bible. God's disposition towards you is that he likes you, he loves you, and has died. Look at John chapter 15, verse 12 and 13. John 15, 12 and 13. This is my command. This is Jesus talking. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? Look at the next verse. Greater love has no man than this, than that a man laid down his life for his friends. Who did Jesus die for? He died for ungodly people, isn't it? He called on godly people his friends. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Jesus called you a friend before your life even started. Before your life of foolishness started, he called you his friend. Because he knew that what he was going to do, dying for you, was going to bring you to friendship with him. God loves you intimately. Intensely. He has intense love for you, I tell you. Intense love. God does not want, the Bible says God does not take pleasure when, when an ungodly person perishes. In the death of an, of an ungodly man. When someone who has killed many people is dying, God does not like it. Can you imagine? God does not like it. God is not there to put your sin on you. You, you are wrong. You, you are this. You are No. Look at how Jesus was when he came. Jesus ate with ungodly people. The Bible says that he was a friend of sinners and publicans. He was a friend of especially wicked sinners. That is God. God likes wicked sinners. Why? Because he's the solution to wicked sinners. He is the solution to wicked sinners. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all these things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. The word reconciled means to bring back, or to bring into fellowship, or to bring into friendship, to become a friend with God, become a friend with God. Do you understand? He says, all things of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Our job as preachers is to let you know that God is not fighting like I'm telling you now. God is not against you. God is not fighting. God loves you. God wants you. Stop running away. You have been running away from God for a very long time. You, can, you don't remember the last time you went to church. Look at how much it took for you to come. Do you remember how, how much it took for you to come? God does not hate you. God likes you. In fact, God loves you. Look at the next verse. There's a song one of our brothers sang. No matter what you do, God loves you. Bam, bam. God loves you. God loves you. No matter what you are going to do, God loves you. No matter what you do, God loves you. You see, you don't believe it. That's why you are like... Because all your life, you have heard that you, you are going to hell. You are even, some people are even born again, but they think they are going to hell. Yeah, because you don't understand the word of God. The word of God has been preached wrongly to you. You have been misinformed. You were informed, but it was misinformation. Yeah, that is why you don't like going to church. You don't like the presence of, you don't like things related to God. Because you feel that he doesn't like you. Meanwhile, his arms are wide open. Look, it says, for God, to wait that God was in Christ, 
Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses. We don't understand. Let's read message or BB or any of those things that are easier to understand. It says, God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. Have you seen it? God has given us a task of telling everyone what he's doing. Like, let's, so that's what I'm telling you. Let's read other versions. Amplify says, it was God personally present in Christ. Reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. God has restored the world, not Christians. There's no Christian in there. The world to himself. When you believe what he has done, then you become a Christian. Are you saying it? Says, it was God personally present in Christ. Reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. And when we say trespasses, you understand they are wrongs, they are sin. They are problems. God is not holding it against them. For many people, they think that Christians, unbelievers especially, they think that God, Charlie, we don't want to, Charlie, Charlie this God thing, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hear him. I don't want to hear him. Ask me about you, they won't hear him. Yeah. He says that, listen, no, he's not counting, I mean, this is, it's called good news. He's not counting up and holding against men their trespasses but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of restoration to favor. That's what I'm talking to you, that God has restored you to favor with himself. All you need to do is to accept and believe what he has said. That's the end. The sin that takes people to hell is not what they do. People don't go to hell because of what they did or did not do. Because remember, no matter what you do, God loves you. Remember that. People don't go to hell because of that. People go to hell because they rejected his love. I mean, someone is saying, I like you. I want you. I don't want you to go along this line. You say, please, I don't like you. Come over there. Come over there. Then you move away. What do you think will happen? He will also, he will not, he, at the end, and you see, God always, God chases people till they die. So even on their deathbed, he's still chasing them. That's why people on their deathbed can give their lives to Christ. And they'll go to heaven. On the cross of Calvary, there was a guy on his right who was insulting him and another one on his left who was commending him. Both of them were thieves. They were all dying. They were all going to die and go to hell. But the one on the left said that this man is a holy man. Why is he on the cross? And then he said to him that when you die, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus said that I say to you today that you shall be with me where I am. And that guy went to heaven. He had stolen all of his life to the point that he was being crucified for what he did on the cross. He believed in Jesus Christ. And that was his ticket to heaven. Few minutes, seconds before he died. He, he said, I believe. And that was the end. So God chases people. Oh, don't wait till the end of your life. You may not have, your dying may not be like that guy's own. He died slowly. Yours may be very sharp. Then you are gone. A sharp one. So don't wait till that time. This is the day to accept Jesus Christ's love. This is the day to make sure that you, you are not fighting God anymore. Because God is not fighting you. God's hands are open. You are the one fighting. You are the one kicking against him. I don't like God. God says he likes you. He loves you. You understand my message? Yeah, he likes you. He's brought us into friendship with himself. He's brought us into friendship with himself. Go to John chapter 3 verse 17 where we're reading. It says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the gospel. That the world through him might be saved. Next verse. 
He that believeth on him is not condemned. This is what, this is what condemns people to go to hell. Because it says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. If you believe in him, you are not condemned. The word condemned is judged. BB, right? Let's see BB. Is it BB that said judged? We can look at it. It's the same word for judgment. It says, the man who has faith in him, in Jesus, does not come up to be judged. You will not be judged if you believe in him. You will not be judged of sin and hence taken to hell. But he who has no faith in him has been judged even now. So as you're sitting here, you can be judged to go to heaven or judged to go to hell depending on what you do with yourself with respect to believing in him. You can reject him or believe in him. If you believe in him, he says that word. You are not in judgment. If you don't believe in him, he says you are in judgment. So what takes people to hell is the sin of not believing in Jesus Christ. Of not accepting God's love for them. That is what takes people to hell. You have to understand it. It's not because of what they did or didn't do. The man who has faith in him does not come to be judged. But he who has no faith in him has been judged even now. Because he has no faith in the name of the son of God. The only son of God. Because, just because of that. Because he has no faith in the name of the only begotten son of God. Look at the next verse. Verse 19. And this is the test by which men are judged. This is the test. The light has come into the world. Who is the light? Jesus is the light. Jesus is the love of God. The light has come into the world. And men have more love for the dark than for the light because their acts are evil. Men have love for the darkness. They love it. Like I don't, if I accept God and accept Jesus Christ into my life, my life will change. I don't like it. I'll be restricted. It's not true. There's, you have, you'll be exposed to a bigger, larger life. With more enjoyment. With more enjoyment. Is it parties you are into? There are parties in the church. Beautiful, sanctified, God-ordained parties. Yeah. Is this sex you are looking for? Just marry. Every style. I mean. You'll be surprised. The Bible says that the marriage bed, marriage is honorable among all, and the marriage bed is undefiled. Ah, just marry. You don't have a problem. Are you seeing it? So people are judged because of just one thing. Just one thing. What is that one thing? They don't believe in who? They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in his love, that he likes them, that he loves them. They don't believe it. Look at John chapter 16, verse 7. BB. Let's do BB, okay? John 16, 7. Listen to me carefully, okay? The first statement was what? Jesus did not die for who? For Christians. Who did he die for? For sinners. And that's what I'm explaining to you. He died for, for sinners. He calls sinners his friends. He likes and loves sinners. This is Jesus talking again. Says, but what I'm saying is true. My going is for your good. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you. Next verse. And when, and he, when he comes, he will make the world conscious of sin. Number one. And of righteousness. And of, of being judged. He will make the, the world conscious of first thing, sin. Righteousness. And then judgment. They will be judged. Next verse. Verse 9. He says, of sin because they have what? Because they have not faith in me. Of sin because they have not faith in me. Of sin because they have not what? I think you should have read. Of sin because they are fornicated. Of sin because they are lesbians. 
I've seen because they are masturbators. I've seen because they are, what else? Thieves. I've seen because they are smokers. I've seen because they are, they are porn stars. I've seen. Hey, do you like what I'm telling you? That is how you should have read, but he didn't read like that. He says, of sin, the only sin that takes people to hell is the sin of not having faith in his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has done everything. God sent Jesus to come and do everything to bring you to friendship with God. And God is waiting for you to only say yes to him. That's all. You may have said yes to him and not understand why you said yes to him or what happened. I'm going to explain it to you. There are several things Jesus did. Okay, to bring us into friendship with God. Like I said, God is not angry with you. Tell me about God is not angry with you. Are you settled with that fact? Ask your neighbor, are you settled with that fact? That God does not hate you. God is not angry with you. Ask your neighbor, do you agree? No matter what you did, bang, bang. God loves you. No matter what you're going to do, God loves you. Maybe I should explain this some more to you. Go to Romans chapter 8. Let's read from verse 31. Okay? It will be too long. Let's read from... Okay, 32. He says, God, who did not keep back his only son, but gave him up for us, or why will he not with him? I'm a, I'm a King James person, so I'm reading it in King James in my mind. Do you see? Drop down. Go, go down to 34. He says, who oh, is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather... That is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Next verse. Who shall separate us from what? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What is the love of Christ? Greater love has no man than this. Than that a man should lay down his life for his friends. That is the love of Christ. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The love of Christ is the art of him. He expresses love by dying for you and I. Even though you are not a righteous man. He says, even for a righteous man, someone, may, someone will think of it. Scarcely. For a good man, scarcely will someone die. Are you getting it? Yeah. So it doesn't make sense for him to die for unbelievers, for sinners. But he made that choice. God commends his love towards us. God expresses his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, while we were corrupt, foolish boys of no use. The message version says, while we were of no use. God, let's read the message. Look at it, it says, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death. While we were of no use whatever to him, while you were of no use whatever to him, he died. While you were useless to him, who will buy useless things? Who buys baller? Does anybody buy refuse them? You go, so I want to buy all the baller. But God bought baller. Why? Because he was a recycler. So he changed all the recycle, all the ball lines to recycle, correct things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, Romans, go back to Romans chapter 8. We're reading verse 35 now, isn't it? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Then he says, shall tribulate. Let's read BBE now. BBE, Bible in basic English. Who will come between us and the love of Christ? Who? Will trouble or pain or cruel acts or the need of food or clothing or danger or the sword? As is said that in the Holy Writings, because of you, we are put to death every day. We are like sheep ready for destruction. Verse 37. But we are able to overcome all things and more through his love. Next verse. 
For I am certain that not death or life or angels or rulers or things present or things to come or powers or things on high or things under the earth or things which, are, which is made will be able to come between us and the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves you so much that nothing can come between what he has for you. He says not death, not life, not angels. There's no angel that can stand by God and say, see him, see what this girl is doing. Curse him, God. No angel can say that. Because God's love for you is permanent. And nothing can change that. Now it is up to you to receive that love. What will you do? What will you do? There are Christians who still think that God does not like them. They still think God does not like them. Why? Because of some things that they do. Guess what? He died for all of your sins. First John chapter 2, verse 1. Little children. These things write down to you, my little children, that he sin not. You see, then he says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Then he says, and he is a propitiation for our sins. Let's read the BB of this. BB. He is the offering for our sins. Jesus is the offering for our sins. And not ours only, but for the, the, all the world, for the sins of the whole world. What does the world need to do? They need to just accept what he has done. That is why we invited you. I want you to understand this particular thing. Now, there are three basic things that Jesus did to secure what I'm telling you for you. And in understanding it, we get to appreciate what God, we get to appreciate God's love some more. So I want to show them to you. Can I show them to you? So the first thing I said was that God did not, Jesus did not die for who? Who did he die for? He died for sinners. So if you think you are wrong, you are the reason why Jesus came. You are the reason why Jesus came. Hallelujah. So let's look at it. The first one, the first thing, so you can, you can let it be number two. I'll show you number one. Now number two. How did Jesus bring us into friendship with God? The first one is something called redemption. Say redemption. Say it again, redemption. Redemption is spelled R-E-D-E-M-P-T-I-O-N. Redemption. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. You need to understand these things. How did Jesus do it? How did Jesus do it? How? Do you want to know? Yeah, Jesus did it himself. That's why he says, who is he that condemns? Sometimes you, you yourself condemn yourself. Oh, I'm not a good person. I'm not. It's not true. God calls you differently. There's a name God calls you by. Look at this. Let's read from verse 6 so that it makes more sense, okay? It's nice. Can you read it to me? Everybody, one to go. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. In Christ, it says in Christ we have redemption through his blood. Now, what is the meaning of redemption? It says we have redemption. If you're a Christian, you have redemption in his blood. What is the meaning of redemption? Maybe you've never understood it. I want to help you understand it today. There are four words for redemption in the Bible. And I want, they all explain and help us understand what Jesus did in his blood. You know, Jesus uses blood to purge us from sin. Okay? To take sin away. That was what Jesus did. So sin is no more a problem now. Between us and God. Between humanity and God. Why? Because he redeemed the whole field. He bought the whole field. 
He bought the whole field. Have you heard that story before? He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure in a field and sold all that he had and bought all of the field. So Jesus is that person. He says he bought the whole field. What's the whole field? The whole field is the whole world. You and I, everybody included. But he, he bought the field because of the treasure that is in it. He bought the, tre- the, the field so that he can get his treasure. The treasure is the church. Do you understand? Uh-huh. But he bought the whole field. He bought the whole, and that's the truth. He bought the whole field. So the first meaning of redemption is to repossess at a cost. To repossess. Say repossess. Because Adam was for God. Adam was made by God. And he lost Adam. God lost Adam to the devil. Now when God lost Adam to the devil, God said that he will get Adam back. How was he going to get Adam back? By shedding of blood. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. Look at this. It says, and almost all things are by the Lord purged of blood. And without shedding of blood is no what? Remission of sin. I'm going to explain what remission is, okay? Remission means taking away sin completely. But I want to show you what redemption means. Sometimes you see all this is redemption, sanctification. In the Bible, you wonder what it means. Okay? These are the things Jesus did. He uses blood to do it. When Adam sinned in Genesis chapter 3, Adam got fig leaves for himself and his wife to cover themselves. When God came, he took the fig leaves away. Fig leaves represents man's works. God took the fig leaves away. Because by your works, you cannot please God. It's not possible. That's why he said that if you could help yourself, you could have helped yourself a long time ago. Man cannot help himself. He's a sinner by default. Because of what Adam did. Adam's sin affected all of humanity. Even the world in which we live is full of sin. The very atmosphere. Every country has its own type of sins. If you are flying in a plane, you can fly out of a country. As you are entering a country, you start feeling some way. Yeah. Every country has its own feel. When you get out of the plane, you see it. You feel it. Even areas have their own feelings. When you are going to Accra, you see that you are entering something, another thing. When you are coming to Kumasi, you see that you are entering. It's like some atmospheres are heavy, some atmospheres are very light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The world is, I mean, plenty sin. But Jesus uses blood to purge the sins of the world. So when Adam sinned there, when God came, you know what he did? God killed a lamb. He killed an animal, shed the blood of the animal, and used the animal's skin to cover Adam. Have you read it before? It's in Genesis chapter 3, I think verse 21. Look at Genesis 3, 21. And Adam also and to his wife, and unto Adam also and his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin. Have you seen it? He made what? Coats of skin and clothed them. They clothed themselves with fig leaves when they sinned. Because when they sinned, they fell short of the glory of God. And they saw that they were naked. So they covered themselves. But when God came, he said, what you are using to cover yourself is not good enough. Instead of criticizing them and blasting them, he rather killed an animal and shed the blood of the animal. Signifying that unless blood is shed, you cannot come close to me. So he shed blood and used the covering of the animal to cover them. The other thing God proved to them was that you cannot get fig leaves for yourself. You cannot get your own, use your own works. Your own things cannot make you perfect. Only mine, what I provide, is what will help you. So God provided his son to help us. Are you seeing it? So Adam was lost. But then God sent his son to come and repossess Adam at a cost. What was the cost? The blood of his son. So Jesus died and shed his blood so that you can be bought back 
from the slave market of sin. Because there was a slave market of sin ruled by the devil. You cannot help yourself. You cannot do anything for yourself. But because of Jesus' blood, look at it. It says, in whom? In Christ, in Jesus, we have what? We have redundance, redemption. Redundance. We've been taken away from sin. From the slave market of sin. That was the first thing Jesus did. So let me show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. For ye are bought with a price. The word bought is the same word for redemption. Okay? The Greek word is agorazo. You don't need to write it down. You can learn it later on. Agorazo. And it means, and the word agorazo means slave market. Slave market of sin. So Jesus walked to the slave market of sin, drained his blood, and used it as payment for you. Because nothing can save you. Nothing can wash you. Nothing can change you. Nothing can buy you. The price for the sin that humanity committed and humanity has was blood. And their own blood is not good enough for it. So God sent himself and came as, as the word and came in the flesh and came to die and took his own blood and went on the slave market of sin and bought you. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, I'm bought. Yeah. Say it again. With a price. It says, for ye are bought with a price. What was that price? The blood of Jesus. So it says, in him, in Jesus, in Christ, we have redemption. We have redemption. Apart from buying us from the slave market of sin, he did not leave us there. Okay? He gave himself as a ransom for you and I. So the next word for redemption is lutro. Now, let me show you where it is found. Let me just mention them to you, okay? Just to help you understand what God did through Christ. Titus chapter 2 verse 13. Titus 2.13. Listen to me carefully. Don't lose me, okay? If you lose these things, you, you may never understand what God has done. You may never... No, you still think God does not like you. Still God hates you. Think, you think you cannot be helped in life. He says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Jesus, who gave himself for us. Have you seen it? He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. The word redeem us. Redeem is the word lutro. It means to pay, to receive at a ransom. To give a, a price for something else. Jesus gave himself for you. If he didn't like you, why did he give himself for you? He liked you so much that he gave himself as a ransom for you. So that you will not be destroyed. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. I know I'm mentioning a lot of scriptures, but then just try and understand what I'm saying, okay? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. It says, who will have all men to be saved? God will have all men to be saved. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Next verse. Verse 5. For there is one God. Say there is one God. Say it again. There is one God. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus, one mediator, one bridge between God and men. Only Jesus is the way and the truth and the life to God. You cannot go to God without him. He says, for there's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. Next verse. Who gave himself what? A ransom for all to be testified in due time, to be spoken of in due time. He gave himself what? A ransom. Do you understand ransom? Ransom. It means to give someone in exchange for someone. Or to give something in exchange for something. Jesus gave himself in exchange for you. 
so that you can be bought and taken away from the slave market of sin. Wow. That was the first thing he did. Say that was the first thing he did. So there's a slave market of sin. He comes there, takes his blood and buys you. So he says, in whom? In Christ. We have redemption. Say, I have redemption. Say it again, I have redemption. I've been bought from the slave market of sin. Now, there were, there were things that used to happen on the slave market of sin. Okay? In the olden times, they had slave markets where they, sell, they sold slaves. Blacks and all of that. Whites were even sold as slaves as well. If you go to ancient Rome, had whites. They, when they go to war and they defeat the, the people, they bring all of them because they have money. They will sell them. There's a market and it's only human beings that are sold there. And the way to be bought is by, first of all, checking your physical endurance. So they call you, come. So if you are the slave, come. Stand on the platform. Stand on it, yeah, and then you too. So these are the two people on sale. Then they'll bring a tough man, a, a man who is very strong, bolle like this man, like, him, like himself. And his job is to beat these two people. To check their physical endurance so you can start. You can start. Beat them with punches. You punch them. And they aim at punching your face to see if a tooth will come out. Hey. If a tooth comes out, it means that you are not fit to be bought. It means you are not strong enough. If your tooth does not come out, then it means that you are strong enough. So they'll give you several blows. If you are fit, then they buy you. But then, that is the first test. The second test is your emotional endurance. So they'll bring another person. You can take your seat. They'll bring another a lady, I, I'm sure. <laughs> Who knows how to insult? Do you know there are some ladies who knows how to insult? They'll bring a lady who can insult them. They'll insult your mother, your mother's mother, your mother's mother's mother. Everybody, insult, and then see if you will change. Your facial expression will change. If you are still smiling, then it means that your emotional endurance has passed. You have passed for the emotional endurance test. Wow. Then they buy you. Do you see how they were, subject, they were subjected to cruelty? I mean, how, how is beating a means of buying somebody? And how is insulting somebody a means of buying him? But that's what was, was happening. The same thing was being done on the slave market of sin. You see, there's nothing, there's no profit in serving the devil. There's no profit. People have done abortions and died. People have gone to places and just died, just like that. People's lives, I know people whose lives have stopped because of smoking, smoking weed. Just stopped, their life has stopped. They thought they were doing something good. The devil think that, make you think that you are doing this is nice. You are chasing people's husbands. Everything is nice. They are giving you the money. They are giving you the iPhone 11 Pro. And giving you all the things that... And then you get HIV. So the wages of sin is something called death. The price, the payment of sin is death. And God is saving you from that particular thing. How is he saving you? By sending Jesus Christ. How did he save us? By buying us from that place of cruelty. One of the things that used to happen on the slave market of sin was poverty, curses, all kinds of things, all kinds of foolish things. But in Galatians chapter 3, look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us. The word redeemed is apolutrosis, to buy, to take away from. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. There were 54 curses that was under the law. So many curses, curses of boils, of diseases, of cancer. All of those things are part, were part of the slave market of sin. And human beings were suffering under those things. Jesus sent his son. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and buy us. Without beatings. Without insults. 
and he bought us for himself. Go and sit down. He bought us for himself. And he bought the one who even insults. And bought the one who, who beats. He bought everybody. I think we should clap for Jesus at this point. Now, after buying us, that's the first thing. After buying us, you got Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. Colossians 1.14. What is written in Ephesians 1.7 is the same as Colossians 1.14. It says, in whom? In Christ. We have what? Redemption. Through his blood. It is through his blood. Jesus shed his blood so that you can be redeemed. So that you can be bought back. Be repossessed by God. God has done it already. All you need to do is to accept it. And say, I agree. If you agree, that will be your experience. You may be born again and not know. I'm telling you now and explaining to you. That you will have redemption in his blood. See, I have redemption. In his blood. Hallelujah. Then he goes and says, even the forgiveness of sins. Even or which means the forgiveness of sins. Or end the forgiveness of sins. That's what it means. He says, in whom we have redemption. So there are two things. He says, we have redemption in him. And the forgiveness of sins. So your sins have been forgiven you. The word forgiveness there is a Greek word, aphasis. And it means complete removal of sin. So even though we were bought from the slave market of sin, still, we were sinners. Why? Because you've been on the slave market of sin for so long, your conscience is gone. Do you understand? You are wicked. Do you think the slaves are not fighting with themselves? They were fighting with themselves. They were frustrated. Out of the frustration, they would do something to their own friend. So the conscience, the mindset of the people was wrong. After he had repossessed the world, he had to remove their sins. How did he do it? By washing us in his blood. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first because of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that what? Loved us. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins where? In his own blood. Say in his own blood. He washed me from my sins. In his own blood. And as he washed us from our sins, he took our sins far away. It's called remission. Remission. Go to Ephesians 1, 7 once again. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Have you seen it? And I said the word forgiveness is the same word for remission. And remission or forgiveness means to take away completely. So he took the sin, your sin, and we're complete. So when it comes to God, he's not seeing, he's not seeing your sin. You are the one seeing your sin. The question is, are you, have you accepted what he has done? And he did it out of his love. He says, he washed us from our sins from in his own blood because of his love. Because of his love. So you don't need to change. Come to him, he will change you. He will work on you. He knows what to do. You don't need to be fit. He will make you fit. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It means to release you from your bondage. To make you free completely. To remove sin completely away from you. In the Old Testament, it was done with the scapegoat. There were two goats that were sacrificed in the Old Testament. The first one, hands were laid on him. And the righteousness of, or the innocence of the sheep was passed on to the people. And that sheep is killed and taken into the Holy of Holies and sacrificed before God. Then all men are forgiven. All the children of Israel are forgiven. The other one had the priest lay his hands on him and confessing the sins of everybody on him. Everybody confesses their sin on that particular goat. That goat bears the sin of everybody for one year. One year sin. Everybody confesses. 
I did this, I went here, I did this, I did that, I did that. Everybody come, everybody will come and come in. The ghost head will be painting him, they'll be laying hands on him. Then a man who is fit takes that goat and takes him, he removes him from the camp of Israel completely and takes him out into the wilderness and leaves him to be torn apart by beasts. When Jesus was baptized and raised from the baptism, John called him the Lamb of God. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So Jesus was that Lamb. The Bible says that he was crucified outside the gates. He was taken outside. And he removed. Why? Because he had become sin. He had become sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says he was made sin. Who knew no sin? Jesus was made sin just because of you. He was made what? He was made sin. Who knew no sin? So that you and I might be made the righteousness of God. That's the third thing I'm going to talk about. He made us, he, Jesus became sin and was taken away. Jesus removed all of our sins away. And this is the gospel. This is what was preached. Yeah. That everybody have been remitted. This is, the, this is the gospel. John the Baptist was the first person who preached it. Let me show it to you. Can I show it to you in the Bible? Mark 1.4. He says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached. Listen, he preached what? The baptism of repentance for the remission of sins for the complete removal of sin of humanity for the complete removal that was why he was baptizing for the repentance where repentance is change your mind so that they can change their mind and wait for the remission of their sins which was going to come through Jesus Christ do you get it John preached it Jesus himself preached it Matthew chapter 26 look at Matthew chapter 26 verse 28 when Jesus was going to die the night before he died you see, what did Jesus do the night before he died? The Bible says that he had a dinner with his people and he took a cup of wine. And when he took it, he took the cup, he gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For, next verse, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for what? The remission of, what's the remission of, what's the meaning of remission? What's the meaning? Complete removal of what? So as far as Jesus is concerned, he came to shed his blood for this particular purpose. For the complete removal of your sins. So why are you still allowing sin to be a problem between you and God? Why? Ask your neighbor, why? It means that you don't believe in what God did. Do you see? It says, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Remember, it says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no removal of sin. Jesus gave himself and removed your sin completely. Wow. Say wow. Peter preached it. Look at Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts 2, 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of what? Yeah. So we are born again for the purpose of remission of sins. He says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So if you are born again, your sins have been removed, including your acts. It's been removed a long time ago. You still think you're a sinner. That is why you keep doing wrong. If you're not born again, I'm, it's good news. I'm telling you that he has removed your sin. All you need to do is accept it. All you need to do is accept it. Never let sin be a problem between you and God. Because as far as God is concerned, he has done something about it. So he doesn't know why you are running away. He doesn't know why you are running away. You are running away because you think you still owe him. If you are owing someone one trillion dollars, and you meet the person. What are you going to do? What will you do? 
You ran away, isn't it? Is it true? You ran away. What if someone paid and you didn't know that someone had paid all that money for you? Or, or that person cancels all your debt, but you don't know he has canceled your debt. What will you do when you meet him? You still run away. So the reason why people are still running away from God is because they don't know that he, God, who was owed, has canceled the debt. They don't know. The way God loves you, eh? God loves you too much. Too much. Too much. Yeah? Say, God loves me. Say it again. God loves me. Too much. Do you know? Do you know? Let me tell you something. Do you know that if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would still have come to die for you? If you were the only person on earth, that's how much God loves you. So it's not a corporate love. It's, a, it's, an, it's an individual love. God loves you and cares about you so much. Don't make his love nothing. Receive his love. See, I receive his love. Acts chapter 5, verse 30. Peter preached. I've showed you one scripture. I'm showing you another scripture. This is Peter talking. He says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a tree. Him has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. He has given for repentance to Israel and forgiveness. The word forgiveness is the same word for remission. For the remission of the sins of men. Paul also preached it. Acts chapter 13 verse 37. Acts 13 37. Acts 13 37. Paul, the apostle also preached it. So this is the gospel. Say this is the gospel. Yeah. The gospel is announced to everybody that listen, your sins have been removed. Come, God does not hate you anymore. God is now your friend. Who are you running to? Ask your neighbor, who are you running to? Where are you running? Ask the other neighbor on your left. Where are you running to? Ask the one behind you. Where? Oh, Kohen. Oh, Kohen. Why do they run? Why are you running? Stop running. Tell me about stop running. God does not hate you. God loves you. He has redeemed you. He has remitted you. Taking away your sins completely. So don't let sin be a problem. Hallelujah. Look at Acts chapter 26, verse 18. It's all about the Bible. This was what was preached. All about the Bible. This God, Jesus was talking to Paul. And he told him what to go and do for him. Paul had killed someone. Paul, killed, Paul was involved in the killing of Stephen. You know? And he, had, he was involved in getting people put in prison and getting them killed. But Jesus met him and saved him. And when he was giving him an assignment, he says that, I'm sending you to open their eyes. And to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. So that they may receive what? So that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Are you here to receive your forgiveness? He says, God has forgiven you. Say, God has forgiven me. He says, forgiveness of sins and also inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me. Forgiveness of sins. He's taking it away. Tell anybody, he's taking it away. Don't run away. Hallelujah. The next one, okay, so the first one is, the first one is what? Jesus did not die for who? He died for who? Then the second one was what? He did it by getting you redeemed. Redemption, right? Then the third thing was what? Remission or forgiveness of sins. 
The fourth thing is justification. He did it by justifying you or declaring you not guilty. Okay? Jesus did it by justifying you or declaring you not guilty and making you his righteousness. Wow. Say wow. So, after God had sent Jesus to come and die for all ungodly men, Jesus died, and in his death, he redeemed the whole world. And in his death, he remitted the whole world. He took the sins of the whole world away. After taking their sins away, he made them righteous and declared them not guilty again. So there's nothing that God can hold against you because he has declared you not guilty. Let's read Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. This is the best of them all. This is the best of them all. Meaning that from now onwards, you can start living the right life. You can start living a right life. Because God has sent Jesus Christ to make you justified so that you can live right. Sometimes you know that, Charlie. There's a way to live. You know what God has... Everybody knows what God has said. There's nobody sitting who has never heard about Jesus Christ before. Everybody here. I can tell you for a fact that everybody has heard of Jesus somewhere before. It's not the first time. But you know that it's like he has demands that you cannot meet. Are you seeing it? You know he has demands. What are some of the demands of God? Don't lie. You realize that you can't. You're a pathological liar. Even when you're telling the truth, the lie comes out. When you say someone should look up, you actually, you actually mean he should look down. So it's like you can't keep what he's telling you to do. You see? What else? You know he says don't fornicate. You just can't help yourself. You're just moving all over the place. What? You are, you are like a sexy girl on me. But someone said that. I didn't say it. Hallelujah. You know you can't keep. Is it true? Ask your neighbor, is it true? Yeah. So another reason why people run away from God is because they know that they can't keep to the standards of God. The things God is saying, Charlie, is too high. Well, guess what? After Jesus had taken your sins away, okay, after he had bought you from the slave market of sin and taken your sin away, the next thing he did was that he washed you from your sins. After washing you from your sins, he declared you not guilty and came to live inside you so that he meets his own laws. So Jesus is in you now to meet his laws, to be able to respond to his laws. Oh, you don't understand? Do you understand? So, you see, Christ in you is meeting up with God's demands. You don't need to do anything. Just allow Jesus Christ to work in you. Some of us were master fornicators. You thought we could never stop. But Christ in us has made us stop. You see a woman's buttocks, you are not even moved anymore. Hey! What a shock. Some of us were chronic liars. You could lie through your teeth. Asha smiling. They are lying. People could booze. I've had boozites. Do you know boozites? They can booze so much, they have their own tribe called boozites. But by God's grace, are... <laughs> some people's noses were like chimneys. They needed fire service to quench them. But now, they know that they are the righteousness of God. Let me show you how Jesus did it. Can I show you how Jesus did it? Don't you love Jesus? Ask your neighbor, don't you love Jesus? What did he say? You do? Wow. Because he's the best. I mean, who dies for someone who is not correct? And who does all these things for someone who he doesn't know? 
Nobody does it. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Even your beloved will not mind you. Even your wife will not mind you. Your husband will not mind you. I mean, it should be difficult for my wife to die for me. And for me to die for her. If I can do it, because Jesus is in me. But on, the, on a normal day, it will not happen. Hey! Wow! Look at this. He says, who? Let's read from verse, verse 24 so that we can understand it into 25. Okay? Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Are you seeing all that Jesus did for you? Are you seeing how much God loves you? Wow. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. He says, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Then he says, verse 25, who Jesus, so the last thing, he, he was talking about Jesus, right? He says, Jesus who was delivered for our offenses. Jesus was delivered. Jesus gave himself for our offenses. I've told you that already, isn't it? And was raised again for our justification. Let's really amplify it so I understand it, okay? Jesus who was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds. Our misdeeds, not his. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. It was because of yours, you and I. Who was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds. And was raised to secure our justification. He was raised that our justification of being declared not guilty, okay, is attested to by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Jesus rose from the dead so that he can testify and say that he is not guilty. Even if you are doing something wrong, God, Jesus will point and say he is not guilty. I died for him. He is not guilty. He says, who was raised to secure our justification? Our acquittal of being declared not guilty. Making our accounts balance and absorbing us from all guilt. From what? He absorbed us from all guilt before God. All guilt. Look at the next verse, which is chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we are what? Justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God. Right now, when God looks at you, he's looking at someone who is justified, someone who is declared not guilty, acquitted, declared righteous, and someone who is given a right standing with God. So he can stand before God without any sense of guilt any longer. No more guilt. Say no more guilt. Who did it? Jesus did it. Jesus did it. So when you stand before God, you can stand before God. Because what would have made you not stand before God has been taken away. Sin has been taken away. And after after taking sin away, he declares you not guilty. Tell anybody you are not guilty. Tell anybody you are not guilty. You are righteous. Because of Jesus Christ. So in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Let's look at Romans chapter 3, verse 20. So I'm looking at us doing a three-day conference like this. For three days. Three days. So that you can hear these things for yourself. Okay? And understand them for yourself. Or else you can be, you'll, be, you'll be denied. With so many things. The devil will rob you of your inheritance. Because you don't know what has happened. Up until the time you came in, you were thinking that God didn't like you. But I've showed you scriptures. I'm not seeing something from my stomach. I'm seeing what is in the Bible. What God has done for you. What God has done for you. There are several things that he has done. Several that you have no idea of. If you had an idea of it, to change your life forever. To change your life forever. For instance, I know I can never be poor. Why? Because Jesus died so that I will never be poor. There are some people who are in poverty. 
Your father is in it. Your mother is in it. Even though they are Christians, they are all inside. Because they've not yet understood what it means to be a Christian. They've not yet understood. They always think that they have to do something so that God will do something. You don't need to do anything for God to do anything. It's called inheritance. Do you need anything to have your inheritance? Remember what I quoted for you in Acts chapter 20. Look at Acts 26. What I, what I mentioned to you earlier. There were two things. I mentioned only one. I didn't show you the other one. The other one is for next time. 26, 18. Listen, it says, I'm sending you, Paul, to open their eyes. To open the eyes of everybody. And to turn them from darkness to light. And, the, and from the power of Satan unto God. And that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Have you seen it? That's the first thing. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And number two, receive inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me. There's inheritance for you in Christ. And one of the major inheritance is wealth. One of the major inheritance is wisdom. Making decisions that are correct. Not choosing a husband and later regretting that you chose that husband because he's beating you. Or he has left you and he's following 70 women. Yeah. But have wisdom, because you know that Christ, if you, if you learn more, you know that Christ has made unto you wisdom. I cannot make a foolish choice. I cannot make a foolish decision. And when you choose, you see that that choice that you made is what God. Wisdom is choosing right and not regretting the first time. If you make a choice and later on you are like, ah, I shouldn't have done it. You are not wise. That is not wisdom. That is an expression of foolishness. So there are Christians who are foolish. Why? Because they've never learned that Christ has been made unto them wisdom. They've never learned it. Never learned it. So in Acts chapter 20, look at Acts 20, 32. Paul said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. You need to be built up in God. Do you understand? Why are you here? As long as you're moving on and don't do anything in the Bible, you are, you've lost a lot of things already. Age does not change your, your capacity. Age does not change your level. And your quality of life. It doesn't. Age does not change your quality of life in any way. Don't say that when I'm 40, I'll be rich. It's a lie. It's a big lie. If you are not rich at 17, you will not be rich at 40. Understand what riches is. Riches is not things. Riches is the quality of person that you are. What quality of life do you have? Yeah. What can you give? What can you, that's your wealth. What can you give? That's why you need to learn. You have to learn. Tell anybody, you need to learn the word. You need to learn it. Okay? So that you can have your inheritance. Look at this. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance through all them, among all them that are sanctified. If you don't know, you will just be coasting through life. University is not the end. I left university 11 years ago. I have mates who still don't have work. I have mates who don't know the price of a car tie. It's not by age, please. It's not by age. At all. You can live to university 20 years. Still, things will not change. It will not change. Because you never learned the word. You never understood what God did for you. You never read the manual that came with your life. Everything comes with the manual. All those who struggle with mass in secondary school struggled because they never read the Casio calculator manual. They never read the Casio calculator manual. That's why they suffer. If you had read it, you would have even been able to punch matrix. Matrixes. You can punch matrix on Casio calculator. Is it true? Yes. FX, you can punch. FX, you can punch graph. I mean, you can punch everything. But all you knew was 2 plus 2. 
and cost 90 and turn, turn, turn 60. You never knew that you could punch x squared is equal to y squared plus this one and just press equal to and get an answer. They know not, neither do they understand. They walk on in darkness. I have said that they are gods and that they are children of the most high. But you shall be like one of the princes of this world and like men. Why? Because you know not. Neither do you understand. I pray that God gives you understanding. Yeah, that's my only prayer for you. You know, when I was preparing these things, I was just I was rejoicing in my spirit. You know, because God, God told us us. It means that I should never be afraid of God. No matter what I have done, I should never be afraid. I should never feel like my life has ended. Because God is there to defend me all the time. If everybody knew this, do you think we'll be where we are? They will not be where they are now. They'll be different. They'll be very, very different. If they knew. That's why I'm here. Because God wants you to know. Okay? Romans chapter 3, verse 20. This is the last one and the most important one. So if you lose it, you've lost a lot. Look at this. It says, therefore. Say, therefore. therefore. Meaning that it's coming from somewhere. Therefore, by the deeds or by the doing of the law. What is the law? Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. So all the thou shalt not. It says that by the deeds, by the doings of the law. Okay? Let's you be maybe to help us. He says, because by the works of the law, no man is able to have righteousness in his eyes. No man can have righteousness in God's eyes by the works of the law. It's not possible. That's why all of you who are trying to live by thou shalt not fornicate. It's not working. The more you say thou shalt not fornicate, the more you fornicate. The more you say thou shalt not steal, the more you even steal your own money. You put your own money in your pocket and then you sneak and go and steal your own money. It's not working. It's not your fault. It's in the Bible that it doesn't work. It says that because by the works of the law, no man is able to have righteousness in God's sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. If I tell you, don't touch this pulpit, everybody here will start doing merry-go-round around the pulpit. You will be wondering, ah, what is about this pulpit that they say we shouldn't touch? It's normal to look at the leg. Everything is normal. Hey, hey, hey. Hmm. Hey. He says, by the doings of the law, there shall no flesh be justified inside, made righteous in the sight. Because by the law, it's the knowledge of sin. If I tell you that shall not fornicate, I've told you that there's something called fornication, you will fornicate. And that was humanity for you. Look at the next verse. Verse 21. Because of that, because of that, he says, but now, without the law, there's, the, there's a revelation of the righteousness of God. Okay? To which witness is given by the law and the prophets. In other words, there's a righteousness which is called the righteousness of God that has been made available now. Which is spoken of by the law and the prophets. By all that Moses wrote. And all that was written in the Old Testament. They all testified of this particular righteousness. Called the righteousness of God. Have you seen it? All of them spoke about this righteousness that was coming. Next verse. That is the righteousness of God. Through what? Faith in Jesus Christ. Hmm? It's called the righteousness of God, which comes through faith. What is faith? Believing in what Jesus did. To all those who have faith, and no man is different from another. He says that, that you know, I remember telling him that when he began with therefore, let's read King James. He says, therefore, by the means of the, the Lord shall no flesh be justified in the sight. Isn't it? He was talking about Jews and Gentiles. Jews thought they were close to God, and Gentiles thought they were far away from God. God brought Jesus to come and condemn both of them that you are all not close to God. Without me, you cannot be close to God. 
Do you get it? Uh-huh. So he says that this righteousness, okay, what is righteousness? The ability to stand before God without any sense of guilt or condemnation. The ability to be accepted before God. And with that same acceptance, stand before the devil and tell him God's peace of mind. Because sometimes if the devil is doing something, if you are sick, you can't even pray. Because you know what you did that brought the sickness. So you can't pray. Do you get it? Uh-huh. But with righteousness, you can still pray and declare that you, you declare your freedom. Why? Because God has sent Jesus Christ to die so that you will be made his righteousness. He says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Difference between who? The Jew and the Greek. Why? Because all of them have sinned. You see where the scripture came from? Because all of them, all Jews and Gentiles have sinned likewise and come short to the glory of God. Because they have all sinned and come short to the glory of God, he says, next verse, next verse, being justified freely or being declared not guilty freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you remember redemption? Through the buying back that is in Christ Jesus. It is because of the buying back that he's able to declare us not guilty. So when God looks at you, he's not seeing someone who is barely getting by. Someone who is struggling, even though you are struggling for nothing. Just accept it. He says, being justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ, Jesus. Next verse. Whom, that is Christ, whom God has set for to be a propitiation. The word propitiation is mercy seat. There were three things that were needed to make us free from sin. The first one was blood. The second one was a priest, the high priest. And the third one was the mercy seat upon which the blood was dropped. Or God himself. When Jesus came, Jesus became the sacrifice. He died and collected his own blood and woke up from the dead as the high priest, your high priest. And rose to heaven and sacrificed the blood to himself because he's God. For what purpose? So that you might be declared not guilty. Wow. He did all of that for you so that you might be declared not guilty. So now, when God looks at you, he sees you as his righteousness. So in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he was made sin. Jesus was made sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he has made him to be sin for us. He has made Jesus to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? So that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He was made sin. So sin is not a problem anymore. Say sin is not a problem anymore. So if you are here, you have never given your life to Christ. This is your moment. This is your day. I've said all these things because of you and also because of those of you who don't know what has happened to you. If you are here and you have never given your life to Christ, you know what you are. You know that when you die today, you are not going to heaven. This is your day. This is your time. This is your hour. This is your time. This is your day. Maybe you have never understood what I've told you. God does not hate you. God does not hate you. This is the most important thing we can ever do. So say these words boldly after me, okay? Say this. Say, thank you God for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. I believe that that is your expression of your love for me. Today, I accept that love. I return that love to you. I believe that Jesus died for my sins on the cross of Calvary. 
I believe that he was buried. And I believe that on the third day, you rose him from the dead. I believe that he ascended to heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I receive eternal life into my spirit from today onwards. I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what your word says. I believe it and that settles it. Now devil, say it after me. Now devil, you have no place in my life. I am out of your kingdom. I am out of your dominion. I am in the kingdom of God now. I am in the kingdom of Christ now. I'm a new creation. I'm born again and a child of God. God is my father now. And you have no place in my life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Congratulations. I want us to give them an applause. Congratulations. 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 You're welcome to the family of God. Congratulations. 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 God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.